Welcome to Numb Bills Fan Podcast, radio voice for number 112. Yes, 112 podcasts. We're here. I'm Dave, your host today. Find me on Twitter, at Numb Bills Fan. And again, my name is David Palermo. I'm Italian. Have you guessed it? Does it mean anything? Yes, I can't run fast at all. I'm short. Do I enjoy pasta? Yes, but it goes to my butt. We're brought to you by NumbBillsFan.com. Also, all of our content's up there. Past episodes like podcast number 111 with Kevin Masari. That's how I'm pronouncing it. Find him on Twitter at Kevin Masari. So K-E-V-I-N-M-A-S-S-A-R-E. And I just did the end of the podcast little ad thingies, outro. So I have that down pat if you're wondering why that just came out. So also Wednesday's Bills for Life presents the Bills Mafia group on Facebook. The biggest one there is. That is over 59,000 members. And they're real members. You can't buy these people, people. Find them on Facebook. Bills for Life. Chris Williams. Killing the game. Always is. Jamie Tilbury. Sorting through all the bullshit. All the ass wipes. Give you guys credit. Because, damn, I ain't sifting through comments. I ain't sifting through anything. Screw that. I'm not even posting articles. Why? Because then I got to be correct. All right. Not really. I just, you know, I'm better at talking. Even when you have something lodged permanently in your nose and you talk like you do have something lodged in your nose, somehow you figure that people want to hear you. 112 times on a podcast that nobody listens to, which is fine. I like talking to myself. It's very therapeutic. Don't forget, ShadyRays.com. Punch in our promo code, NumbillsFan. You get 25% off. The sunglasses are not much money, for real. And I'm not one to pay good money for sunglasses. But what I mean by not good, not, not much money is like 30 to 40 bucks. If you're into sunglasses, you might want to get them. Personally, I've definitely bought some sunglasses from like a gas station for five bucks and not giving a fuck. But then they scratch up easily, easily, and then I lose them, then I sit on them. And that's even the Bill's official sunglasses that you might as well just get stickers and go to the dollar store and get sunglasses and put it on there. These are good quality sunglasses. They come with a nice case. The the logo, the LaShawn McCoy logo, oh, on the signature edition, it just blinks. It blinks at you. It's It's crazy. Put it in the sunlight. It's beautiful. I love my Shady Rays. I'm not even just busting balls here. It's great. They're nice. Get 25% off. And what's cool about buying them from a legit business, you get to complain about it if you don't like it. Numb Bills fan in the promo code box when you check out. Please throw it in there. Makes us look sweet. And, yeah, you're wondering, oh, it's wintertime. What am I going to do with sunglasses? You ever drive around with snow on the ground, dude? It sucks. It's bright. 
Don't forget, also, we are part of PunchDrunkSports.com. And what they have is they have a sports podcast network, which is up and not up and running, but it's it's in progress. We are the Bills podcast for them. So check them out. They also have an awesome podcast with three comedians. And it's not the ha, 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 slapstick comedy. It's really we don't care. And we're going to talk about sports how we want to talk about it. How you would have a conversation, say, in a bar at the tailgate. And so pretty much what we do, that's why we're on the same page. And I guess we got a call, which we're so flattered. If you're going to tell me that a disciple of the Joe Rogan podcast was going to ask us to be a part of their podcast network, I would like do anything. I really, I'm flattered. I don't know if, if they even listen to us. I don't know. I don't know if Sam Tripoli listens or Jason Tebow or Ari Shafir. I don't care. To be linked up with those guys, it, it's like the, the proudest moment of uh, probably my life. Maybe I need a good life. We had a great podcast today with uh, this guy, Rob Quinn. You know Rob Quinn if you're uh, on the Twitter. And also have followed somebody who's written about the Bills since, I guess, 2010, 2009-ish. So since he was a teenager. And I had a great conversation with him. We talked a lot about the state of the Bills. And, and it was a very organic flowing conversation. I had no clue where it would go. And it was pretty rad. The topics we got into it, it flowed from the Rex Ryan era to Chan Gailey to a little bit of Doug Marone, which uh, for the record, Doug Marone owned it and said maybe he should have did things differently in Buffalo. And uh, I'm not going to hammer on Doug Marone as much, to be honest with you, because I believe we all need to, to learn in life, me included first, because I'm still a raging maniac. And I got to say, I'm really psyched for the future of um, the Bills now. And I think we, we talked a lot about the Pagulas. We touched base on, on a couple of guys that they brought in and impacts and what he had going on on Bills Wire. So, again, here we go. We got Rob Quinn. Really flattered to talk to him. So I never had a, a, like a, a long conversation with him ever. So it was nice because he's always been on my radar of people I really, really want to talk to because he's he tries to be objective. And I think that a lot of the the, the, the younger, the, the generation now coming up, I guess technically we're considered that if we're technically media. But I would say bloggers and podcasters alike, whatever you want to say. It's nice to have a bunch of different opinion and not just have it be steered to the negative all the time. You can find that. But again, Rob Quinn had a great conversation and just flow with it, chill with it, chill out. So here we go. And on the line with us is Rob Quinn from The Bills Wire on Twitter. So, uh, Rob, what's up, man? Where can we find you? What's your exact Twitter handle? Get the details out real quick. What do you got going on? Like, what should people check out? Hey, thanks for having me. Um, yeah, I'm Rob Quinn. I'm the editor at uh, BillsWire.USAToday.com. You can find us on Twitter at TheBillsWire. And if you want to follow me, if you haven't blocked me already, it's at RobQuinn619. Um, yeah, that's pretty much it. All right, man. So your old partner of crime was with us on uh, Podcast 111, Kevin Masare. 
who is with uh, CoverOne.net. And you guys usually have a podcast together, Building the Herd, so that's how I know you guys. Um, and also, like, you did more than that. You wrote, obviously. That's what you do. So do you like writing or do you like the podcasting? Like, Or do you like it all? You know, I like everything. Uh, everything about the NFL, I've been a fan since I was a little kid. And just when I was a freshman in college at about 17, 18 years old, I found Bleacher Report, started writing there, doing a little draft stuff for the 2010 draft. Um, from there, I went on to a site with Mike Straw, uh, Queen City Sports, with actually it was a pretty good group of writers there. It was Kevin Masseri, Ryan Talbot, and Bradley Gelber. And uh, then we all kind of went our separate ways, and Kevin and I started a site, Building the Herd, that did really well. And from there, I uh, got hired by Bell's Wire when the NFL Wire Network, and I've been with them since August. And, you know, it's just really great. It's a new experience, uh, really different than the blogging, where it's kind of at your own pace. It's rapid. It's 24-7, covering all the news. But um, as far as the podcasts go, I love those, too, as well. Really, anything where I could talk about football, I'm a fan of. Yeah, man. Congratulations on that, by the way. When I saw you hooked up with USA Today, I'm like, damn, dude. Like, people are getting paid, finally. You know, because you start out so passionately, and, and I've said it many times in this podcast. I used to take dumps and, and just, like, refresh my android and uh on buffalo rumblings and just keep up on the comments and i'll be honest after a while i'm like nobody in here knows shit except for like 10 percent, and it's almost like people are just keeping up on a a commenting thread versus you know per page and have to be right and they don't have all the objective facts and they want to throw their one line and after a while i'm just like i can't do comment sections so um, you know, I train, I, I transferred over to, I think Twitter just opened up my mind for opinion and, uh, you know, coming across you guys and stuff and, and, and everybody starting out, you know, Bleacher Report was a tough thing back in the day for it to start up. I think it wasn't necessarily always credible and it's cool that, you know, you took an opportunity and, and you just got rolling with it, to be honest with you. Um, you know, this is always starts out as a passion. And I, I swear, like, Brian Galliford and Matt Rich Warren over there at uh, Buffalo Rumblings, they, they seem to use, you know, I don't think Brian's with them anymore, but they used to work their ass off. Like, not only would they have the right articles and they have some teams, but you had to filter the comments. You had to, it's like, that's not enough. You, like, that that's a job. Right. Those guys really paved the way. Um, Buffalo Rumblings was pretty much the only site that I read. I grew up in South Florida, so all of my friends were Dolphins or Jets or Giants fans, so I had no one to talk to about the Bills, so I spent all my time in Buffalo Rumblings, and then um, I got the idea. I started doing the fan posts and stuff like that, and then joined Bleacher Report, and like you said, it really wasn't the most credible. I mean, I still go back there today to read my first articles just to see how terribly written they were and how much I've grown. And um, it's just really interesting to see just how everybody through social media has been able to, you know, find their niche in this writing and podcasting and 
video and doing their own thing in the in the sports world. Yeah, I don't mean to bag on you for the Bleacher Report. I didn't mean it that way, but I have a really important question. Uh, what was your username on Buffalo Rumblings? Mine was Sketchy Dave. Um, I've had the same username since I was in elementary school. I think it's always been the Arquin 619. Really? You're you're dedicated. Comments. I, I read morals and just to stay up to date with the news because there really was there was a time in the 2000s where the Bills really didn't get to play, and it was in South Florida, like I said. So that was really my only source of information on the team. Do you remember when you would refresh ProFootballTalk.com for days, for days, and there would be no Bills article? I'm like, you're telling me nothing happened with the Bills. And then anytime something will come out, people just straight take shits on them. And I'm like, you're in a division with the Cheatriots and a cutting edge at the time, Rex Ryan defense. And you know what I mean? There was times, and and Jerron was hard football to watch, um, especially that Cleveland game. I remember, like, you want to talk PTSD? I remember (laughs) where I was. I was in Buffalo Rumblings, or Buffalo Rumblings, Buffalo Wild Wings, who was not paying me. And uh, they're not even from Buffalo, I guess, which is stupid, dumb name. Um, With my friend Chris Pogue, and uh, we were doing music together. And um, we're watching this Cleveland game, and I'm like, you got to be kidding me. Six to three? Like, we wanted our time back. It was the worst (laughs) Thing and he never watched a Bills game for the rest of the season after that. He's like, dude, I'm done. I'm like, what do you mean you're done? We're like six games in. No, I'm done. Okay. Huh. Loyal fan, Chris. Thanks, man. Thanks for leaving me hanging. Um, but that was some brutal football. And like you're saying, man, there was like nothing out about the Bills like at all. And the thing that kills me is every year, every single year with the Bills, we can talk ourselves into the playoffs. And we have to remember that they really do have, I think, them, the Dolphins, and the Jets have the hardest path to the playoffs of any team. And you look at this team where they just fire guys or coaches leave. You know, Malarkey left and Doug Marone left. What's they tell you? Everybody says the best fans ever. Bullshit. I don't think the Bills had the best fans ever. I think every sports team has the worst fans ever, frankly. And there's a lot of pieces of shit out there who will attack people and talk a bunch of nonsense at guys directly. Like, we were actually talking about that in, you know, earlier before online. And it's like, how about you guys don't harass the players' kids in school? You know? How about you don't directly tweet like Stefan Gilmer, like, hey, man, you suck balls, dude. And, you know, because then they don't want to stick around. And when we got Stephon Gilmore on a side note, I was worried if he's that good, how the hell are we going to keep him? And now we have a scheme change anyways, and he wouldn't fit. So, like, I I don't know, man. In a time where we had nothing for news, it was brutal. Like, and then all of a sudden, all this crap pops up. And I was telling you, we thought about doing this podcast like a year before we did it, before John Murphy's show. And now it's like I can't get enough Bills information, and I really think it—I really think it was like Steve Johnson, honestly, getting the Bills some run, being on like the Jim Rome show, evolving 
Uh, you know, Doug Marone seemed like the, the good play, you know. Um, but I, I feel like Rex Ryan blew it out of the water. And I think that was good. I think that was really good. And people want to call it the circus. I don't think it was the circus at all. The media makes it the circus. Everybody calling it a circus makes it a circus. The guys want to talk to the media. Good for him. He's an ambassador of the team. Yeah, he might be a little corner to some people. I loved it. Hey, man, get the bills on the map. I don't want to watch hours of ESPN over the week. I don't want to see weeks of one of my favorite football sites with the best snark and, and awesome commenters ever. Those comments I will read because you actually find out some funny information. And it's like the bills would not show up anywhere forever. Like ever, man. Yeah. I mean, just those thousands of years were just brutal, man. And growing up, I mean, thankfully I moved to Florida in 2000. So I had the, that Miami hurricanes little dynasty going. And then the bills took my, my boy, Willis McGahee. So I had that excitement for a while until he got ran out of town. And then it was another dead period. And we got Marshawn and he got ran out of town. And that was really the only news that came out of Buffalo. And like you said, Stevie Johnson came and he kind of brought some flavor to the team uh, and some national publicity. And that's around the time that, Bucky Nix was hired, and they started against talent and really in a little bit of noise in the division. I mean, we get to be, oh, this may be a surprise team. And just, I mean, it hasn't materialized yet, but I think they're going and they're starting to get some more respect from the national media. I don't, I don't know. It, they're not as much of a joke because their records improved. And one thing that's weird about the Bills, and keep in mind, anybody listening, like we don't really have topics. I guess we're just, I don't know, rolling. So uh, it's like, you know, when you look at the team and you look at the record since Doug Whaley took over, and you look at the moves the Bills have made since Buddy Nix came in. They've done the right things. They tried to build through the draft. But you got to keep in mind, you have a George Edwards defense that was like a hybrid-ish type thing. You know what I mean? Everybody wanted to be whatever, you know. And you don't really have good pieces for what he's doing. In fact, you probably would have been better off keeping Perry Fuel and maybe hiring Shane Gailey as an offensive coordinator, to be honest with you. Because their defense was not bad. And what we've been doing for years is this flip-flop game. And now, if you're a player, I don't care how much money you're making. Everybody out there wants to have this attitude that if you're getting paid this much, you do this good of a job. Bullshit. How many of you assholes, me included, have gotten a raise and not put out the work you're supposed to put out? After you said, oh, I get a raise, will you watch? Okay, you eventually plateau. So now you're a player, and you have to go through a new system. Imagine being Kyle Williams. Be Kyle Williams for, like, a career. All the different systems Kyle Williams has had to learn. Granted, there's only so many things he needs to do up there. At the same time, there's a lot of things he needs to do up there. And you can't think when you're playing a sport. you got to react. And, um, you know... Especially with the CBA since 2011, the quality of football has gone downhill. And that's a detriment to the Bills. That makes a guy like Tom Brady 
stronger because he's been in a similar system his whole career. I want to see Tom Brady lead the Patriots like somebody else has been playing quarterback for four years. Take Tyrod Taylor, put him somewhere else. Take EJ Manuel, put him somewhere else. Take a good quarterback, maybe even Andrew Luck, and put him somewhere else. I want to see how he does learning a new system. Actually, Andrew Luck has kind of been doing that, so I, I can't even say that. But it's like I would love to see Tom Brady go through the ringer a little bit, like all these other shithead quarterbacks that have that they. And by shithead, I mean shithead circumstances, you know. And if you want these guys out of the box, and how many players do we develop? Do the Bills develop so they leave? I don't care if you're talking Demetrius Bell, seventh round draft pick. Changi, we hits the podium, think saying, "Yeah, I think we could get some out of Demetrius Bell." We're going to put him at left tackle. Contract theory, he's finally playing some really consistent football. And then he's out. He goes and joins Jason Peters on the Eagles. And here we are doing this all the time because the system changes, because people can't, quote, unquote, work. It's the Jerron Spa. Shane Gailey, the first thing he did was take the TVs down. Well, what did Sean McDermott do? He took out all the things that kept the players in the locker room. Oh, they're there to work. Cool, man. Like, I think I would rather have shit for them to do and, and, and hit the field in the field house and come back to the locker room and hang out some more and then do some more work instead of going home. That's at least my take on that situation. So it's like, I'm sick of hearing about culture, dude. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. All that matters is winning. But the more that people bash on the team and run players out of town and shit on coaches. You got to look at the positives. Buddy Nix came in and he started making smart front office moves. Did he nail the picks? No, but where I started with this was on George Edwards. You don't even know what the hell you're getting here in these players. You know what I'm saying? Like you don't know when they clean that much house, how they did what you're getting. Yeah, I, I definitely agree. I mean, they had, uh, what was it? Spencer Johnson playing outside linebacker and just just weird stuff like that with George Edwards. And they were switching the defense 4-3 one year, 3-4 the next, and then you got Dave Wanstead. And, you know, it's been a cycle of mediocrity. And, you know, I do think that, that Sean McDermott is a huge upgrade as, as a head coach. And, you know, he's one of the most well-respected guys around the league from anyone you really have heard talk about him. So, I mean – Part of me thinks that the taking out the video games is kind of a hard ass move. But then again, I mean, the Bills haven't made the playoffs in seventeen years, so why why should they have time to goof around? I mean, they should they should be at the facilities working out, watching film, meeting with the coaches, play the video games on your own time. I mean, you're get I know you said you don't want to say you're getting paid, but they are. And a lot of these guys are making a ton of money and they're, they haven't produced on the field. So I don't really have a problem with McDermott coming in and trying to establish a culture where it's going to be no nonsense, where like, like Rex had, where it was kind of a, just a party going on all the time. So, I mean, we'll see what happens at the end of the day, but right now I like the moves. I have a rebuttal for you. So looking at it both sides of the coin, I'm with you. You know what I mean? I I, I don't disagree with anything you said. Um, And I didn't want to believe that Rex Ryan was a circus. I didn't want to. I still kind of don't. 
But I feel like he treated his guys like men too much. And and what I mean by that is, uh, you know, the old stereotype, oh, you got to be a man. You got to be a man. You got to man up. Or or it's, hey, man, I trust you. You're a man. You got it. And that was Rex. Hey, you just do your work, and uh, we'll see you here someday. You know, we'll see you here Wednesday. We'll see you here, th- you know. I trust you guys. Yeah, and, I mean, you saw so many reports that it was – so loosely structured with the practices and everything. Um, I think it was Corbin Bryant or Legarduzable who was saying, oh, we met, we like Rex because he let us go uh, on the field and stretch at our own time. But, you know, there's a value to that as a team where Doug Marone was bringing everyone out to stretch as the team and do their walkthroughs as a team and just little things like that that that's part of team building. So as much as we, I loved Rex and his sound bites in the media and really his whole history as a coach, I was a big fan of his and his schemes and all that. But um, at the end of the day, I just think that he kind of lost control and the team didn't really respect him enough to, you know, act like professionals. Yeah, I don't, I, I think you're, that's exactly, you know, a more intelligent way to put what I was saying, you know, you have to do your work and mm-hmm. it's cool when you hear about coaches like Pete Carroll, Carroll, Fred Jackson was talking with Donald Jones and Murph one time. And uh, you mentioned working with Pete Carroll and, and how that team was. And, and you hear about teams, it, it it's more, and he even said it, there's more pressure on teams that haven't made the playoffs than the locker rooms that have. And it, I swear to you, didn't Pete Carroll get the job the same year that Chan Gailey got his job? And Chan Gailey got a fourth year. And I really think that Chan Gailey fell on the sword for, for Dave Wanstash. And Pete Carroll was given more time. And I will argue with you, Pete Carroll's teams were not that good or good. You could not say they were good for his first three years in Seattle. And they gave him time. And... When Shane Gailey actually took question or, or, or had a statement when they fired him, he said, you know, I'm going to root for this team. And he, like, loved his players. And it was something that with the Fitzmagic, with the Fred Jackson, with the Steve Johnsons, that's what got the Bills, quote-unquote, trendy. You know, this whole Bills Mafia crap we're all part of or whatever that you want to call it. I don't know. I don't, I don't I kind of think it's corny to have a hashtag. You know, but, like, it is what it is. It's kind of business now. Like, I, I have to put that in my tweets. At the same time, now I'm part of, like, like we are. We're part of, like, uh, at least non Bills fan. Like, we're part of, like, a group on Facebook. And it's called Bills Mafia. And I like what Del Reed does and, and how it started. Like, I like all that stuff, you know? It's cool. But at the same time, I don't want, like, I would never be part of a gang because I don't want that shithead representing me. So I don't want some guy attacking players being like, oh, that's Bill's Mafia. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, we're all individuals. But um, it can get a little ridiculous. But I really felt that if he didn't fall, if Chang Gailey didn't fall on the sword for um, Dave Wanstead and they could just find him a defensive coordinator, that guy can make lemonade out of lemons all day. All day. He's the only coach I've really seen. You know what? You might be able to say Anthony Lynn, I guess, and, and maybe Greg Roman as well. But, like, as far as, like, Nate Hackett, 
Um, I've railed on this a lot. Last podcast, I even said it. Don't tell me year two, like two thirds of the season that you just popped on film and how CJ Spiller was used. That's amateur hour. You're telling me you've been developing a quarterback for two fucking years right now. You in Downing in, in Marone. You're, you're telling me you now granted Downing is doing good in, uh, you know, on Oakland, but it, it's like, man, how do you just start? I would have rather had Fitzpatrick with that contract. How dare you ask him to restructure an average starting quarterback contract? The guy's durable. He on he of all people who understands his position, it would be him that they drafted a guy, and this is a, the guy that's going to succeed you, right? So how about you stay? You you keep the guy on the books for that money, and you develop EJ Manuel, and you see what he could do. That said. We know what the product is now. At the same time, I think his head was just screwed because after game five at Cleveland, he was done. You know what I mean? His first year. He was done. His confidence mm-hmm. was just lost. And this turnover has got to stop. It's just got to stop. Yeah, and I mean, but going back to your Pete Carroll point and him getting those years, I mean, it goes back to an organization that has confidence in your coach and the program and the general manager. Um to have a plan and that's going to be for three years. You may stink stink for those three years, but at the same time you're grooming and developing and building through the draft. I mean, we saw that it was most of their late round draft picks that now are all pros. And you look at the roster now and that locker room is strong because they're so used to being contenders. So they hold each other accountable. And I think that was one of the biggest problems that the Bills had is that no one knew how to win. So nobody was able to hold each other accountable because they didn't even know how to prepare. I mean, you have EJ Manuel in there with freaking Jeff tool and Thad Lewis in the quarterback room. Um, who's telling who, what film to watch. You know what I mean? Or how to study or how to And no quarterbacks coach, Rob. No quarterbacks coach. Yeah. You're so crazy. You got, so you got three twenty two, twenty four year old in the quarterback room who have no idea what's going on. They're developmental guy backups or even fringe NFL players to begin with. And they just have had no direction. So we could I mean we could talk about their failures and their changes for forever but um then with the amount of mistakes they've made but i think in the last year or two we've seen a lot um more stability in terms of the front office with the with uh the pagulas and um doug whaley kind of taking a back seat and letting sean mcdermott kind of be the face of the franchise like most stable uh teams do let their head coaches do and I think we could only look and be optimistic just as any Bills fan is every single season until he fails. I actually have um, a good topic to go into in, on, on, on the front office. Um, it's a really interesting podcast. I, I can't wait to title this one. This is, this is actually really cool. Um, so Doug Whaley, right? It seems like the national media, and I shouldn't even say national media, the newspaper writers – Mm-hmm. Uh, not, not you, but the, you know, the, the typical dickheads, um, awesome. That's great audio, Rob. <laughs> um, what's cool is 
their heads are shoved so far off their ass. They're like, wow, seems like Sean McDermott's running the show. Does Doug Whaley even have anything to do with anything? And it's like, what are you talking about, other radio shows? And do you have nothing to talk about? Because I don't hear from Ozzie Newsom too much. I don't give. I don't think the Ravens care. And uh, last yeah. I checked, the GM is supposed to be behind yeah. the scenes. Oh, and, and you—it's such low-hanging fruit for them to just bash him and call him incompetent because he's not a good speaker. That's two different things. That's like having a, a, a thing of water and a, a a brick. It's two different things. Okay, don't give me the bucket of water, don't give me the brick, and say they're the same thing. They're not. That has nothing to do with it. And I thought his speaking has gotten a lot better. And really, let's be real. Once Doug Whaley took over, how often have we seen roster moves? They are trying. And I think Jim Monos does an extremely well job. They're bringing you. You can't rip on a guy. Oh, he does. He's a shitty GM. He doesn't know how to draft. Okay, you can't say that and say Nicole Roby. You can't say that and say Lorenzo Alexander. Well, you know he wasn't even supposed to. Start. I don't give a shit. He did. They found the talent, <laughs> and it also shows that these players are good because they made the Pro Bowl with a bad, inconsistent defense. What's that tell you? The guys who paid the fuck attention fucking succeeded, right? Even a guy yeah. like Doosable, for the amount of time that Doosable is on the field, he made a very good impact. You might as well call him tackle for loss. <laughs> I'm, I'm dead serious. So how the hell do people have the nerve just to shit on Doug Whaley? I don't understand it. Like, your head must be rammed so far up your ass that you're going to go, that doesn't even do anything. No, I want Sean McDermott to do it. I want Sean McDermott doing what he's doing. Let him be quiet for a bit. Well, guess what, Buffalo media? You want to raz every coach? This is the motherfucker you're getting. The guy who ain't going to say much until he wants to. The guy who ain't going to move fast is Sean McDermott. He ain't moving fast. He's very calculated, and you're getting more of a Belichick approach. Now we're going to have the more of the church guy. Yay, great. Cool. I don't care if you're religious or not. I really don't give a shit. I want to win football games, and I want guys that take the coaching, and I want them to want to come to work but not have the happy hour like you're saying, you know? So with yeah, Doug Whaley, the, what do you think? I think the Buffalo media got is um, just wanted every quote they could get. They felt kind of entitled that they could speak to him whenever they wanted. And he was just railroaded. I, I don't know if you remember that WGR interview he had before or at the end of the season. Oh, he I was heard saying it. The, the He wanted to see the credits roll on Tyrod. And I mean, I, I'm, a, I'm a fan of Whaley, but I do think that he was kind of a little overzealous with his comments and kind of oversold a lot of players. But like you said, I mean, the general manager isn't, isn't going to be the talking face of your franchise all the time. You want your head coach out there. I mean, look at Pete Carroll, look at the Harbaugh's and coaches like that. They're the ones that are talking to the media. So, I mean, bashing Doug Whaley for not answering the media's questions. I think that's just a little, a little ridiculous. Is the interview you're talking about the last one they had before, um, after the last game where they're talking about, uh, Rex. It was, uh, it was right after the Pittsburgh game on WGR. 
in uh, the morning, I believe, and it, it was Soap and the Bulldog, and they were just railroading him left and right. I think it was Howard Simon in general. Oh, right? yeah, that's Because a, they're the morning show, was. and they always they would were interview saying, him. They were saying, uh, was Rex going to get fired, and what, how are you going to deal with Tyrod? And he was as gracious as he could be, saying, I want to let the credits roll, and we'll see what happens, and we'll evaluate it after the season. And they were just essentially laughing at him. And I think it was kind of a slap in the face to the organization that made him seem kind of, hey, um, we don't want you dealing this all the time. We want you focusing on what you specialize in, which is scouting and personnel, where he's been done a pretty damn good job. You know what? That's exactly what I'm saying. I mean, we're we're diagnosing this, I think, correctly. And it's it's a thing where when you have a meddling owner and you're hearing now that coaches couldn't find jobs in, or, or coaches didn't want to come to Buffalo because they're really worried that Rolf Wilson was going to die. And for me, when Doug Brown had that shit in his contract about ownership, I thought that was weird. But that tells me that maybe his agent had his ear to the ground, and that's why some big-name coaches didn't come to Buffalo, which kind of leads back to Chan Gailey, which kind of leads into Doug Marone. You know what I'm saying? It's like Chan Gailey was the best they could get, and he wasn't bad. And the thing with Whaley is um, I think the Pagulas be – But now you see the moves with the Pagulas. They're smart. Kind of uh, moving Russ Brandon around to the president. Um, not letting them be involved. Rob, we just lost you. Uh, we just lost it. You said uh, Pagula's moved Russ Brandon around, and uh, then then you cut out. Sorry, bud. Oh, uh, can you hear me now? Yeah, I got you. You're good. You're good. Oh, okay. Yes, but he's not really involved in the football right now. That uh, Scott Brooks told. They moved into a special position inside of the communications, public relations, or whatever his title was. All right, Rob, we got to reset you. We, free we, agency. we got to reset you one time again. I'm sorry to the listeners real quick and oh. to me or you. Um, you just kind of kept cutting in and out. It's okay. Um, but so what, what did they do with Russ Brandon? That's what we were talking about. Sorry. Yeah, so Russ Brandon, I mean, he was the GM of the team at one point, and now he's the president with the – he's doing more with the Sabres and the and the business aspect. And then you move Scott Birchtold, who was in charge of the public relations and the communications and all that. And now we see there's no leaks coming out of One Bill's Drive this offseason. Every signing's getting reported at 4 o'clock at the transaction deadline. So it's really a tight ship there now. Um, I think the Pagulas are really just trying to find out who the leaks were that was coming out of there, and they plugged them up. Yeah, it kind of uh, – that is like a shady dealing when you hear about the leaks, you know? That's weird. Really weird. I keep saying you know a lot, you know? Um, and that is a shady dealing in – I also blame the Buffalo media, the people who cover the team that want to write these lazy ass articles when they've covered a team for 30 years and they don't know what the personnel does yet. They still haven't learned the game. 
and they've covered the team for 30 years, you don't know what defense, you don't know what a route is, you know, like, you, you guys are weird. You, you must not be trying. You just must be cashing a paycheck, which is fine, but have a little bit of integrity. And if you're the Pagulas and you're an ownership that you are younger, you're involved with the team, you're culturally, they're, 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 they're hip, you know, they, they know what's up. And every coaching staff goes through a cycle. The first year, we all give them the benefit of the doubt, including the radio hosts, including the writers. Oh, man, he's got to build. Year two, it's like not judgment day. It used to be year three, but this year with Rex was like judgment day. It was like, what, year two already? Like, you guys are going to bust his balls already? Like, can you just let him make some changes? Let him feel it out? And, and I gave him, you know, around week 10, I'm like, man, I think this is what we got. You know, I, I kind of was like, I think this is what we got. And and, and I think that uh, that those writers and, and, and radio guys, whoever's overly negative, hit, hitting a low-hanging fruit that's irrelevant, hitting topics that's only one side of the coin, having polls in your Twitter that's only one side of the coin, it's not an objective outlook and just stirring the pot for advertisements has actually caused a downfall to them because now you're going to get no information, none, none. And now you're going to have, oh, is Whaley even involved? I think the Bagulas are doing a smart thing. Well, guess what? If they could have hired a Belichick, they would have. And I think yeah, that's kind of what they're getting. Yeah, I mean, you, you see it this free agency. I mean, you see every other team in the league, oh, this team has interest in this player. This team has interest in that player. Um, most of the teams have already had 15, 20 pre-draft visits. Um, today they reported Cam Robinson visited last week, and it was Ian Rappaport that did it. So the local media guys really aren't getting any scoops, even of players that they have interest in in free agency or draft picks. So even guys like Vic Carucci, I mean, he's a well-respected writer, and he was breaking stories before, but – he hasn't had anything. He's been more speculative. And I think that's the way it's going to be going forward with McDermott and the Pagulas and the new uh, communications guy. And they're really keeping their lips tight with what's going on in the organization. Do you think Scott Birchhold was the leak? I don't, I don't know if he was the leak. I don't mean to put you on the spot because this is audio, but could he be? I mean, it's possible because as soon as that, as soon as he was moved, everything dried up and we didn't hear a thing of, oh, the Bills may want this player or that. There was probably three reports that they were linked to, I believe, Martellus Bennett, Jared Cook, and Kamar Aiken. And other than that, we saw the day, the first day of free agency, they announced five signings at once that not one of them was even reported to be of interest to the Bills. It seems like the Bills are covering it up. Like, uh, if you listen to the John Murphy show, they'll say, you know, it's the agents leaking it. It's the agents. And it could very well be. Um, and, and I don't believe I, I could be, like, really dumb. But I don't believe that because John Murphy's paid that he's going to homer out for the team. I really don't think so. I kind of heard something from somebody that, hey, man, like, who is in the business. And he's like, hey, man, you got to remember he's paid from the team. Mm-hmm. And I don't, I don't know because a lot of the shit that he says makes a lot of sense and it's pretty objective. Um, and and it, when it comes to guys like Mario Williams, he has no problem shredding them at all. And 
really yeah i mean i think it's a double-edged sword there because like you said i mean he is paid by the team so he has to walk that company line he can't really be too controversial and say things on their flagship radio station but at the same time he does try to be objective with it um i would be a little objective too if i had to deal with the amount of crazy callers that he gets but it it's an interesting thing to think about I'll be honest with you, Rob. If I'm to look at myself, and I could speak for Deacon as well, Adam, um, and 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 a lot of the people I talk with, um, but at least for myself, on this podcast, we could say a bunch of swear words. We could say whatever. I'll keep it classy. I won't have the uh, you know the with the boys jokes. I've probably never called anybody by their, you know, whatever. I might have said penis in my life on here. That's it. You know, I'm not going to go overboard and say anything crazy. But as somebody who who has free reign and can say inflammatory shit, inflammatory shit, I don't really, I don't know. I just, that that's kind of like why I don't think, think that John Murphy's a homer. You know what I mean? I I really don't uh, because of that, because I feel like I have the plat like like we have the platform. Numb Bills fan has the platform to be like, wow, dude, cut McKelvin. He fucking blows. But I'm not going to because he was useful to the team and you don't just cut a guy to replace him. You know what I'm saying? So there's that, too, where even if you have the platform, you still might be you could almost say I'm paid by the team because I'm almost like, I don't want to say I'm an ambassador. I'm not, but I'm just so sick of all the negative coverage for no reason. And, and there's gotta be a better outlook. You, you know, you got to break it down. The the team needs to take accountability and it seems like they are. Yeah. I mean, I agree. I agree with that. Um, but at the same time, like I said, you still have to be, kind of on the team's side of things and present their point of view when you're talking about their players that are under contract and players that you're going to be interviewing exclusively with the team. So I think you could be critical to an extent if you're with them, but I don't think you could be overboard like maybe another news outlet would be. But like you said, I think that the coverage should be more positive, especially from the local media who really has seemed to have an agenda against the front office in the last couple of seasons. I think it's been longer than that. You know, I would, uh, there was a show here in Rochester called the John DeTulio show. And, uh, Mike Catalana would go on from, uh, Rochester TV. Great dude. I love his talking points. He'd be on with John DeTulio. It was, uh, this other guy, uh, Dan Moriarty, who I guess is out of radio. I got to hit him up. I want to get him on the podcast. Actually, Dan Moriarty, if anybody knows him, Freaking reach out to him. He was great radio. I heard he's working at the Stoneyard um, and in Brockport as a bartender. Um, so also they had Sal Marana. And I'm a pretty fair person. But when I see a guy just totally shredding a team, and I feel bad because I'm going to meet him one day, and I'm going to shake his hand, and I'm going to you know tell him, hey, man, I mean everything I say, but I, I'm, you can talk to me. Like, I'm all right. You know, I'm, I just... I could back up every point I've ever shredded you on with with a good reason. And it comes down to integrity. 
And I don't think he's the worst. I'll retweet. If I see anything good, I'll retweet it. I don't care if it comes from my left nut. I'll retweet it. You know, I don't <laughs> care, dude. I really don't care. Is it good information, Rodak? Good. I'll retweet it. You know, it, and, and, you know, say it would be, they would have this thing called Bill's Hour, right? So I would look forward to, like, it was called Bill's Brothers. I would look forward to Bill's Brothers on, on uh, 1280 with John DeTulio. And all Sam would do is just bitch about how he's covered the team for so long and it's just a shit show. And, oh, my God, I can't believe oh, this team. Let me tell you, this team is just it, it's just awful. And, and it's like I've never heard. It's like he's never heard of sex before. He's never heard of masturbation. He's never heard of anything fun in his life. That's his tone. And it's like, dude. You could give me thirty thousand a year. I would cover your dumbass team. Thirty grand. I'll drive to Buffalo on my own gas. You don't even got to give me miles. <laughs> Fifteen bucks an hour on fifty weeks at forty hours a week is thirty thousand dollars. You know, and this guy has what kills me the most, Rob, about these guys is how much access they have. These media guys have so much access to players, to coaches, to the team. Or they're, they used to, maybe not anymore, but they have a lot more resources than how you came up, how we're coming up, through bloggers and all that. And the bloggers are more accurate. And, oh, you're just a blogger. Oh, you're just a podcaster. Oh, what do you know? You're just a, you're just a podcaster. Meanwhile, I hear about DMs, the other guys who cover the bills, not going to mention names, saying, hey, man, you got a real following. You should, re- you should really watch what you say. It's like, yo... Maybe we have information that so-and-so still smokes a lot of weed and is going to get suspended, and maybe I disagree with him. You know what I'm saying? Like, may- mm-hmm. you're allowed to have your own opinion. If you got 50,000 people click on your website to 100 people click on your website, or if you're on a morning radio show and you want to talk shit to somebody. Like, that's not cool. So you guys have the resources. Don't do such a half-assed job. And that's what I like about your stuff, frankly, man. You've... Like you have always said, man, you, you were telling me earlier, you got to look at it on both sides. You have to. Yeah. I mean, I think there's always two sides to every story. So, I mean, you could, there's always going to be hate for a move and there's always going to be people that love it. So, um, I'll take my opinion and I may not agree with those who disagree with me, but I'll try to at least see their point of view and maybe talk myself into their argument so I could at least understand it, even though if I don't come away agreeing with it. But I think that recently, especially with the social media, um, people are just getting a little ridiculous with their arguments about things. I think the Bills firing Rex Ryan, um, it gets a bad rap as in typical Bills, and I've been guilty of putting that in there pretty much of, well, they go to a coach every two years. I think it was the Pagoulas pulling a plug on something that wasn't working, and it was truly based on them, whereas in the previous ownership and regime regime where you got a PR guy running the show and Russ Brandon, well, when you do that, what are you going to have? You're going to have PR moves. Oh, let's bring, uh, let's bring Marv Levy in. Hey, you know what? All the old timers. I, I love the guys who call radios. I mean, he's a ticket since '65. Let me tell you something. You know, like I remember the AFL days, and and I'm telling you, they should really have Jim Kelly be be the head coach. You know, and it's like, how do you watch football for so for so long and you're so stupid? 
<laughs> and it's like, I feel like the organizations honestly listen to the fans too much. And with social media, especially, even though it wasn't as big when uh, Gailey got fired, it was still pretty, actually, Twitter was peaking when Gailey got fired. It, it was probably at its peak because I, I think it's plateaued and, uh, you know, new people joining or not. And everything's kind of set in now. And now you have more firepower. But I don't think that Rex was fired because of the fans. But I do think that the, that the organization has made a lot of moves because they listen too much to the fans. And um, I'm really looking forward to what they have in store now. I think the Bagula has got the right guy in McDermott as far as being a professional and, you know, coming to work every day and, and – and, the biggest problem with the Bills has been accountability amongst players, amongst coaches, and, and, and the fans need to take accountability too. Don't be a douchebag all the time. Um, so as far as this team goes, figure, I mean, you got like 10 minutes. I'm on like 8% battery life here. So um, the Bills just signed Golden Tate, or Golden Tate, Brandon Tate back. Do you have any thoughts on that? I'm actually pretty stoked on it. Yeah, I mean, he was one of the um, the better return guys in the league last year. I mean, he's not going to give you much on offense, but I believe he averaged, I think it was 11.6 yards of punt, per punt return, which is in the top five of, in the NFL. Um, he was a pretty good kick returner. Uh, got some good field position whenever he was able to bring it back out. So I think it was a good local signing um, that provides some depth at wide receiver. I actually was in the camp of I wanted to see him getting more playing time and uh, get more playing time. And it all stems from Donald Jones talking about when Brandon Tate was running with the Rock and he was playing special teams. And he was on the Patriots, and, and, and he's like, man, I had to tackle this guy. He hit me so hard. I don't even want to admit it. He hit me so hard. And ever since he said that, I paid a lot of attention to to how he runs and how he runs after he catches the ball, the dude's a monster as far as being hard to take down, I think. And, and I was kind of hoping that maybe somebody could develop him. And with Sanjay Lal there at the time, I was really – I felt like when his number was called, he was serviceable. He he did his job uh, on offense. Do you see a future with him? Do you think that they're looking, hey, maybe we can develop him more? Because my positive brain, that's what they're thinking. Maybe they see something in him to take him there. And he's also special teams – um, what do you think? Because Tyrod Taylor seemed to not have a problem with him. Yeah, I mean, he, he'll he be 29 during the season, so I don't know how much room for development as a receiver there is. But there's definitely value in having a good kick returner, especially with the new kickoff rules where you're trying to pin guys back. And, I mean, I think it was 18 out of his 26 returns went past the 20. He had two for over 40. And like you said, he's a hard runner. Um, he could break tackles, make guys miss in the open field, and especially in the punt return game where it's kind of harder to create yards there, he really excelled. So I think the Bills are starting to value those receivers that can return punts and kicks. Um, you saw like Corey Brown, he can do that, and Jordan Poyer described himself as a defensive back that returns punts. So I think there will be some competition there, and they really emphasize special teams and field position. Were you shocked that Danny Crossman was brought back? Um, I'm not sure. I mean, th- there was just so many injuries 
throughout the roster that it's kind of hard to evaluate the special teams. And Percy Harvin was supposed to be that guy. That didn't work out, obviously. Um, but, I mean, Brandon Tate, for a veteran, probably playing on the minimum salary, I think he could do some good things in the return game. And Crossman did have one of the better units uh, a few years ago. So, I mean, you can't get rid of every single coach, and he's one of the more respected special teams coordinators in the league. I didn't know that. I I, I felt he underachieved uh, the first two years of Doug Marone. Uh, last, so the the 2015-16 season, I thought his special teams were money. Or no, was it? I'm sorry, I'm confused. Maybe it's the second year with Doug Marone, his special teams were awesome. And then I thought last, so 15-16, I thought his, his special teams were mediocre. And then his past season, they, they kind of stayed mediocre. Am I wrong or am I out of my mind? So that's kind I, I of maybe why I'm shocked. regressed, but I mean, you look at the team, they set aside a handful of roster spots just for guys to contribute on special teams. And then you saw, um, what was it, Colt Anderson got hurt and Jonathan Dowling got hurt. And a lot of guys that were supposed to be key contributors just on special teams weren't able to play. So it was kind of revolving door. Marcus Easley didn't recover from that uh, leg injury. So I think it's worth another shot for for Crossman to see if he can redeem himself. I feel he has potential because when everybody is healthy and and everybody's firing, they do do okay. Uh, I do like that the Bills double down on points. And what I mean by that is I see Mike Tolbert making the roster. Uh, and, and I also like the Hauschka thing, the the kicker they got. So from Seattle, dealt with pressure. Um, I, you don't need to carry a kickoff specialist uh, Yeah, man. That, uh, it bothered me. It bothered me so much. And, again, if you can't cover a kick, your special teams are going to suffer. And when you're not practicing it that much, I would bet either. You know, it, it kind of sucks. And, and I like just taking variables out. Can you kick it out of the end zone? But I don't know now because I feel that you can bring it out to the 25. I think you should have a good kick coverage team to stop that guy. Frankly, within 25 yards, you were doing it within 20 when you were kicking it farther back. So you should be able to do it even better now than ever if they're going to bring it out to the 25, and you should be able to do better than the 25. But do you want to risk injury? And that's a thing too, especially when players are not developing because they're not given time. we got short contracts now, and even the big bloated money is really just a couple of years, and you keep your mouth shut, you get paid, and then it's like, hey, man, you haven't really done shit for us lately, so let's talk. Because we're not giving you $8 million. No, no, you've been paid. So it's – special teams is a weird thing because I feel that with Hauschka and with Mike Tolbert, you haven't had a good goal line back, I thought. I thought Fred Jackson did not do a good job at the goal line. There was a lot of times you couldn't get in. love Fred Jackson, but it just wasn't happening. And I feel with, obviously, Dan Carpenter, you're leaving a lot of points on the board. So it's almost like those two little moves, I think paying attention to that, I think it it could really pay dividends for this team this year coming up. 
Yeah, I agree. I mean, the Bills really did struggle in the red zone last season. And um, LaShawn McCoy, he's not exactly the goal line back. And bringing in a guy like Mike Tolbert and Patrick DeMarco as a lead blocker. And you got a big second-year guy in Jonathan Williams. And then Mike Gillisley, who's been tendered. So I think they're really putting an emphasis on guys that want cut or power runners that can, you know, bang it in the end zone in the red zone and not have to settle for three points like they've like they've been. Are there any moves so far that they've made that you've been um, in this off season that that you're thoroughly impressed with? Um, any shockers, especially or? Um, I, I really like the Ryan Davis signing. I think he's pretty much ideal for Sean McDermott's defense. Um, he's the prototypical size of those the big base defensive ends that he uses. 6'2", 275, um, he'll play on the edge and, and early downs he can kick inside the defensive tackle and sub packages. Um, he'll be a rotational guy behind Shaq and Jerry Hughes, but really behind them they didn't have any depth. So I like that signing. And then I really like the, the Mika or Micah Hyde deal as well. I mean, $30.5 $30 million, we'll see if that's really worth it. But for what he brings to the table – Playing as a nickel, a safety, a corner, a force player on the in the um, on the edge, a linebacker. He really does everything. And Green Bay did a lot with him in Don Caper's defense. And I think that McDermott sees a similar role for him uh, going forward. I think with with Micah Hyde, um, with the fullback guy they brought in there, with Tolbert. We've seen coaching staffs in the past that, that have been in Super Bowls. I remember Shane Gailey, you know, he, he brought in some coaches like Juan Stash. They've been there. They've done it. You know, you had the tight ends coach there. I, I'm drawing a blank on his name. Former tight end of the Bills. Coached uh, tight ends at Indianapolis. How am I forgetting his name? I'm sorry. Um, And, you know, he won a Super Bowl as a coach. And I, I like that they're bringing players in that have really been there and done it. And, and they have in the past. You've had some some guys brought in. But a Micah Hyde, he seems really pumped to be here and to pry him away a leader on the team, away from Green Bay. That tells me that Green Bay was really going to pull their bullshit of, we ain't paying you. But at the same time, I heard Green Bay might actually, or could be a headline in red, probably on pro football talk, that Green Bay is actually willing to pay for free agents right now. So it's kind of ironic that they got Micah Hyde. And what I like is that they're plugging these holes. Again, the process is free agency. Everybody first. Free agency first. Everybody wants to talk draft. I like draft, but I don't like potential. I like things that are better sure things. It doesn't mean a free agent's a sure thing. But a Micah Hyde... You got a winning pedigree. You know, you're bringing these guys who have come from winning organizations, a Tolbert who's been through the build of Carolina. And I th I just hope that they can interject and, and quote unquote, teach this team. And you hear Lorenzo Alexander talking about, oh, yeah, I'm going to hold guys more accountable this year. No, no more, no more baloney. I like hearing that. And, and that's all good coach speak per se or player speak. You know, that's being a pro. But I really believe there's something to interjecting players that have been around that to to get, frankly, players like Marcel Darius focused, you know, 
that you got so much potential and you're fleecing the Bills. I thought Mario Williams fleeced the Bills. I think Darius fleeced the Bills. And I understand he's gone through more stuff than the average person. But come on, man. I, I wish him the best, you know? Yeah, and you, and Coach McDermott um, in his press conference right after they restructured Tyrod and made those signings, that was something that he brought up as a point of emphasis is bringing in high-character guys and that's what he thinks is uh, necessary to build a winning team. He was talking about Micah Hyde um, being great in the locker room, Mike Tolbert being a funny guy that can kind of lighten the mood, and DeMarco, who was a Walter Payton Man of the Year nominee, and Jordan Poyer, who was a captain in college. So they're really bringing in guys that are have been well-respected by their teammates and should be valuable assets in the locker room. And I was talking to Lorenzo Alexander today when I was interviewing him, and that guy is just energetic and just seems like he's loves the locker room at the Bills. He's great friends with Ty Williams. Um, and he was mentioning that last year he didn't really feel like he had enough respect in the locker room to step up and get in guys' faces. But now in his second year with the team, being his age and with a new contract and his salary, that he could take on more of a vocal role. He said not as really a rah-rah guy, but, you know, taking younger guys under the, under his wing, um, teaching them how to be professionals, and that he's going to make sure that if someone's goofing off, that he's going to end it right there and make it public and shut it down. So I think it's valuable to have those leaders and like Eric Wood on offense. And he said Tyrod was taking a leadership role too. So you need those, those core guys in the locker room that are going to kind of straighten everything out with four guys like Darius. Uh, I actually have something from experience, um, real life that I can relate to. And um, you might laugh, but it's really true. And it's not progressive whatsoever. And in this day and age, I don't even think my, my buddy would even say this to me. But when I was coming up in construction, and I'm 16 years old, 17 years old, even now at 32 years old, I'm working around this dude, and I'm doing something wrong. He, he might not say the word, but the whole thing to me, my name became retard. Retard. <laughs> retard. What, what, the fuck are, what, what the fuck are you doing? You know what happened with that? It sucked. And I laughed about it, and then I would get pissed because he would the ultimate troll. He could still to this day get me to like throw something like really quick. And I'll tell you what, the next time I went to do that, I thought about it, and I really think there is a fine line of shaming somebody. And I don't mean that in a bad way or a good way. I mean it in like a accountability shaming, dude. Get your head out of your ass a little bit. Maybe you don't got to say it like that. You could be, but if you say it too nice, they're not going to get the point. And it's not like we were talking earlier. It's not a league of where you guys can let this is that nobody wants accountability now. And a guy like Lorenzo Alexander is an inspiration. Should be an inspiration to anybody that you can do anything. Just keep working. Keep doing the work. You know, you know what you got to do. Just do it. Take care of it and keep working at your craft. If I'm sucking at playing my bass in my band, I get called out. But I just tell them I'm a guitar player. But at the same time, they're right. Like, dude, you got to work on it. And it's like I didn't want to years back. I was like, oh, I got this. But, no, I really wasn't that good. And it took 
you know, in a normal setting being called out to, to correct it. And, and I think Lorenzo Alexander is on point with that. That's what they need. Yeah, definitely. And that's what, and that's what he was saying. I mean, he wasn't even like, he's going to call players out in front of everybody and kind of make embarrass them. But he said, you know, we'll take the guys aside and say, Hey, this is how you do it. This is how you be a pro. You know, I'm in my 13th year now because I put my head down and I played special teams. So I think that just invaluable, especially to a roster that's pretty young um, with guys that are going to need, if they want to make the roster, they're going to have to play special teams. So having a guy like Lorenzo Alexander's been there and done that and been and played nine position, different positions just to stay in the league is like you said, just an inspiration to everybody out there. Well, Rob, I think I'm out of shit to talk about. Um, did you have anything else? Like um, anything else interesting articles coming up or any interesting interviews, nuggets maybe that you haven't put out there or even if you have? Um, anything well, you think maybe we should go into or what? You know, I got some time. Um, I think we've just about covered it. Um, you can go to the billswire.usatoday.com if you want to check out that Lorenzo Alexander interview. He had some really good stuff to say. And as far as interesting stuff, we, we have interesting stuff every day there. So uh, if you want to read about the free agency signings or um, available free agents, potential Bills draft picks or mock drafts, really, we have everything that you could possibly want in one spot. And we've got a great staff with Stephen Culley and Robin Bundy and a few other new guys coming aboard. So, um, Robin Bundy always retweets our stuff. Like we're so thrilled. She's great. Yeah, she's great. Steven's great. The whole staff is great. And, you know, I'm really happy with the team we have there and the content that we're putting out. Well, Rob, thank you so much um i'll keep you on the line i'll pretend i'm gonna end this all right rob i'll see you later man uh where can we find you on twitter um on twitter at rob quinn 619 and again at the bills wire awesome well thanks rob yeah thanks for having me yeah no problem all right so that was rob from bills wire first time i ever talked to rob for an extended period of time. I mean, we were talking before. Felt kind of special. So don't forget, check us out on numbillsfan.com. Our last podcast was number 111 with Kevin. He he pronounced it different. Masari. I say Masari. That's how I read it. Masari. Sorry, Kevin. But <laughs> follow Kevin on Twitter as well, at Kevin Masari. K-E-V-I-N-M-A-S-S-A-R-E. Follow him. He's cool. Uh, anybody who likes Madden, I like you. And they like Madden, both him and Rob. Also, CoverOne.net, our buddies. Love Eric Turner. I'm going to give him a kiss when I see him. No, I'm not. Maybe his dog. BillsForLife.com. Bills Mafia Facebook group. Check them out. Also, uh, PunchRunkSports.com, at PunchRunk on Twitter. And don't forget ShadyRays.com. Please, 25% off. Type in NumBillsFan at checkout. Their sunglasses really are not expensive, and they look sweet. And they're good quality. We have our own pair. 
Got some new commercials coming out. We already got one commercial up. So check that out. Shady Rays. Numb Bills fan is the promo code. And type that in there. And don't forget, Wednesday nights, Facebook Live, 7 p.m.-ish. But we're going to be 7 p.m. from now on. We're gonna, I don't want to make empty promises. Just do what I said. Set a notification for us. And that's presented to you by Bills for Life. And when you go to the games, Red Pinto Tailgate. I'm out of here. Thank you, Rob Quinn. Thank you for everybody who listens to us, supports us. Really means a lot. It really does. Uh, I'm in an office in my house that's like half apart, and I, I really get a lot of enjoyment out of talking about sports and the Bills and not having to be in a cookie cutter box. And I'm not supposed to be the dude with the hot dog lodge in my throat talking on the mic, like I need to get my septum worked on, like something's clogged in my nose, so I feel like I've been congested my entire life. So. Never thought people would actually, like, listen to my dumb voice, but thank you. And keep checking us out. Tell your friends. If you really enjoy it, even if you're a good friend of mine, you're listening to us for, like, the 112th time, and you watch Facebook, whatever, even if it's your first time, if you really enjoy it, please just tell people. The easiest way to find us is numbillsfan.com, but I don't care. Find us anywhere. You want to follow us on Instagram? You're big into Instagram. I'm down with Instagram. You can follow my personal one, David J. Palermo. Uh, not really much Bill stuff up there, but you get to see, I would consider some of it funny, a little bit artistic, a little artiste-like. Uh, you know, sometimes I'll post pics of my dogs. Check it out if you want. But the Numb Bills fan account, I'll do pretty much a similar thing now. I'll actually treat it like how Instagram was supposed to be treated, which is like kind of artsy stuff. So I have my little beer, or my beer, my coffee mug. It's on a ledge on a job site. Got the insulation in the background, a 2 by 4 that's on, you know, a real 2 by 4 ledge, you know, where the wood's all dark brown, a little rough, and it's a real 2-inch thickness. So it tells you that that, that, that lumber's over 150 years old. So it's kind of neat. I like to do stuff like that. I like messing with the filters. At the same time, you get a notification when... We actually have, you, you scroll by, oh, new podcast. You know, have our stock logo with the stock card with my dumb ass eating a hot dog. And if anybody has new logo ideas, run it by us. I like it. Deacon runs with it because we uh, we just want to keep that like a known a known logo. But I'm down to change and, and still keep that somewhere or maybe do a little readjustment. Just got to get around to doing Photoshop. Any volunteers go for it because I don't got the time. But... Again, numbillsfan.com. Just spread the word if you can, please. And any guests you want to have on, tweet them. Tell them to come on. If you want to come on, come on. All right, we're out. See ya. I'm Dave. Find me on the Twitter, at numbillsfan. And find us everywhere. Subscribe to us on iTunes, Stitcher Radio, Google Play, Overcast, anything you could think of. Peace.